0: Hello, Belinda. Hi, Omar. This is an exciting episode. They're all amazing, but this is the first episode of our second season. How cool is that?
1: Woohoo! We've been anticipating this yes. moment for a month in May, and I'm so excited it's finally here in June, starting the month off with a new season
0: we got a chance to experiment in the intermission between season one and season two with long form interviews. And it was really beautiful to kind of go in depth uh, with some amazing healers, teachers, change makers. uh, And that's in some ways a little bit of a preview for this second season with our theme of collective acceleration. How can we really, transform at the scale and the pace uh, that really is so needed in the world right now. I mean, we're seeing uh, so many challenges, um, violence. um, And so these uh, practices that we're talking about aren't just nice to have. They're really necessary for uh, creating the beautiful world that our hearts know is possible.
1: And before we introduce the theme And content for this first episode, I really wanted to share this beautiful uh, email from Christine, who has been using the Gratitude Blooming uh, card deck. And she actually uh, got the card deck at our retreat center in Mount Shasta. So I love how our worlds of Gratitude Blooming and Hestia Retreat Center are colliding in such a beautiful way.
0: Or are integrated. Because that's really what the the practices that we're trying to encourage is less separation, less binary and more integration.
1: Collide and integrate and (laughs) transform. I love it. So this is what Christine shared with us. It's such a gift. All you both share with the world. I'm reminded it's the seeds we plant that others are able to enjoy the beauty and fruits which spring later and that which we often don't get the chance to ever see. I can't wait to share your work with others. Thank you both for the invitation to collaborate, more alignment with my own, and this past week's episode with both you and Liz in grief, transformation, and rebirthing. I feel so much for a struggle and what you've both previously shared in making a career shift. I'm currently in the process of deciding on a dissertation topic, drastically different than initially intended. I'm nervous about the pivot, but who knows? Perhaps something beautiful may emerge from that.
0: It's beautiful. Well, we appreciate you for continuing to send us emails, messages, DMs, Discord, um, you know, messages. We love hearing from you. This is really why we're doing what we're doing. And, you know, today we're going to really get an opportunity to share some of the stories from more of our team. Gratitude Blooming is more than uh, Belinda and myself and you know, Brian, who's been our amazing um, producer. So some of the new things that we're going to be introducing in this second season is really an even closer connection between the Gratitude Blooming practices and the art um, and, and how do we express it. We experimented last month with launching NFTs um, and we really enjoyed that process. Um, it's a very emergent one. And so the artist Arlene Kim Suda uh, is joining us live today. Um, she's going to be sharing um, her practice of emergence as we're going to be dropping a new NFT, a new digital art piece every week tied to the theme of the podcast. This is going to be an opportunity for us to continue to express you know, what we're feeling uh, in the world through art. Um, that, Art is part of our collective acceleration. We believe the sort of the metaverse, the blockchain um, is going to be an essential part of that. And so collecting these NFTs are going to be a way for you to support um, our podcast, the practice of gratitude, um, and really continue to build the momentum uh, for what we're trying to create here.
1: And I'm excited to introduce that for this first episode of season two, we decided as a team to focus on the Delphinium representing infinite possibility. And I just really love the prompt for this uh, card. It says, try seeing and being grateful for all the possibilities that can emerge from life's uncertainties. What feels possible to you?
0: I think this is why the the message of emergence feels so strong, right? Emergence is sort of like, instead of predetermining an outcome, how do we really sort of allow for a variety of things uh, to be seen and felt and heard? Um, And then how do we actually make that a practice?
1: what's been really beautiful uh, for this season, I decided to actually start planting these physical plants in our retreat center, Mount Shasta. And I planted the delphinium about a month and a half ago, and it is now standing tall and it's purple and it's got these bell-shaped flowers. And it's just a reminder of, you know, how can you still stand tall, even in the in the midst of uncertainty and chaos and the messiness of the world that we're living in right now. And, uh, it's, it's just such a beautiful inspiration to see the actual plant. And, and I'm just in awe of how upright and, and, and aligned it feels (laughs) with the stem, with the petals, with the leaves.
0: I love that idea of standing tall and really kind of allowing ourselves to sort of be present to everything that we can't see. I was recently um, with my family in New Mexico and we got to three national parks. Uh, We love national parks and just that opportunity to connect to nature. And we were at White Sands, New Mexico, and there are these literally white sands that are cool Um, It's made out of gypsum, uh, which is in drywall. And this formed over like a couple hundred million years. And so you're in this like hot desert sun, but then the sand is really cool and just relaxing. And they recently found some of the first human footprints in the Americas that are over 20,000 years old. And so it just, it really... Took us by sort of surprise in some ways because it, it it helped us to just put in context time. It's so easy in our day to day life to just get caught up, and we sort of think, "Oh, well, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. I got to do this, or you know, whatever the sort of challenges are of the day." And to sort of then take a step back and be like, 20 thousand years ago, folks were running around the American, and, and apparently the footprints were of children and teenagers." And they were around wooly mammoths. And so it's, wow. just, it's just sort of, you know, we think about where we are today and what we think is possible uh, and we really don't know. And so it also, I think, is an opportunity to practice gratitude and really sort of appreciate that we don't know what's going to happen. And So how do we actually take the moment to really appreciate uh, each and every moment um, as best as possible?
1: It's so fitting that we're thinking about the future and the possibilities in connection to the past and not forgetting that, but also not letting the past dictate what the future paradigm could be. And I'm excited to have the artist Arlene Kim Suda with us today live to just Arlene share with us, you know, when you look at this plant and this theme and now creating this new digital art this new expression of nature yeah what what comes up for you
2: well hi you guys it's nice to see you again on uh, on the podcast i get to see you in addition to hear you yeah there is a lot of uncertainty in season 2 so for the art and um there i'm it, in in some ways, having to take our own medicine again from the gratitude blooming cards, and realize that the uncertainty is really the precursor to possibility. Right? Without uncertainty, it's uncertain because there is no path, and we are making these new paths of uh, possibility. So that that's something I've really had to embrace as we kick uh, as we kick off season two.
0: I love that. You can't have infinite possibility without first going through uncertainty. And really, then how do we react? I think that's the other sort of piece to me that is so important about these practices is that we can take something like uncertainty, which has maybe a negative connotation sort of or evokes fear or whatever it is. And really, then it's an opportunity to sort of say, like, well, how do I want to respond to it? Right. Do I want to sort of pull back? Do I want to move forward? And I, and I love that there is no right or wrong. All it is is an invitation to sort of say, like, how do I want to respond? And it's okay, one way or another. Um, And the important part is just acknowledging it.
2: Yeah, and it is a good reminder about how um, much discomfort you can feel, right? So that, um, you know, it's in some ways, uh, there's some lessons, I think, about how you can learn to live with your own discomfort in order to push the possibilities forward.
0: And remind us again, when did you first do the 100 Days of Blooming Love, because that was the real inspiration for the cards.
2: You know, that was such a magical time. When I look back at that, I've been actually trying to remember that feeling that I had when I uh, started the 100 Day Project that was, you know, developed all the original cards for the Gratitude Blooming um, card deck. And um, I have to say the magical thing at that moment was... um, that there was no expectation, you know, it really was this pure um, connection to just the form of uh, a form of creating, a form of expression. And so, what's different this time around is that you know there are more expectations. And so, for me, there is a lesson about well, how do you navigate? How do you navigate those expectations to get back to the place? where you can create purely from your heart. That was 2015.
0: 2015. So you've had seven years to really marinate on the 39 themes in the Grad to Blooming Card Deck. And now the invitation is really to practice emergence. And I think for those that are listening to really say like, oh, these are not 39 pre-baked digital art pieces that we've laid out for the seasons, it's like, no, these are going to be dropping each and every week as the stories, as the themes, as this year unfolds. And so this is in many ways, a little bit more of a raw journey. Um, And, and, you know, I appreciate your bravery, Arlene, to uh, join us and lead us and share with us uh, in all of these ways.
2: Yes, it's going to be an exciting season, that's for sure. (laughs) And Arlene,
1: I would love now to kind of zoom in on this beautiful delphinium plant and this theme of infinite possibility and how, let's connect the dots a little bit. You know, you connected with the delphinium and illustrated it as part of your 100-day project. And then now you are collaboratively creating the digital art with uh, one of our team members. So Could you introduce that process for us and also the story behind the art that is newly formed, you know, within the past couple of weeks?
2: Yeah. So I do have a story to share with you that introduces yet another story. So there is a story within the story. So why don't I go ahead and share that with you? So in general, I just love the concept of our gratitude cards being navigational tools for life. Because if you think about it, how crazy is it to try to navigate life without a compass? Especially in these days when we are so disconnected from the wisdom of our ancestors and a sense of our ancestral community. We live in a time of great progress and self-sufficiency yet also a time where we're becoming more self-interested. Our hope through our work at Gratitude Blooming is to offer navigational tools to help us reconnect to the wisdom we share by helping each of us communicate with each other in all the relationships in our lives. To be that reminder of the human values that ultimately connect us to each other through our life experiences. In season one, I shared the stories of what I heard from the plants in the gratitude-blooming cards when I drew them in a 100-day project. When I look back, I get this feeling that the plants were just reflecting back what they see in us. I somehow tapped into the energy we as humans have projected onto these plants over time. But the plant wasn't telling me about itself. I think it would take a different kind of listening to hear what the plant wanted to express in its own way. And that's sort of what I think our guest artist is trying to capture in this week's art and why I'm so excited to introduce you to her work, our gratitude-blooming designer, friend and artist, Anka Matisku. Here she
3: is describing her process and her work. You are lean. I'm so happy for us to collaborate again. The idea of art as a dialogue has always been more fascinating and motivating to me than the process or the medium I create in. Thank you for being here and listening, for creating this beautiful space to share our interests of art, psychology and the world. Prompted by the theme of infinite possibility and your encouragement to follow my bliss in the process. I've started to look for ways to visualize the energy force of the delphinium. I spent some time looking at plants around the city, trying to decipher their life force mystery and wondered if there is another way to look that would offer me any new insights. Although I wish I would have told you now that I had a vision of light, shapes and colors and the plants spoke back at me, it seems I did have some blockers for receiving their message that day. So, needing to find another way, I went back into my home office and started researching other artists that had similar questions to mine. In my findings, I was absolutely mesmerized by the work of Robert Bultman, an American artist and explorer that creates photograms through a process called Curlian photography. The technique uses no camera or lenses, but plants, light, electric current, and photographic film. The outcome is striking, something outside of this world, at least as how we can see it with our naked eyes. The process is long, potentially dangerous, and at the same time, absolutely fascinating. I've always had a desire to create my own dark room and explore different exposure techniques but I haven't yet managed to make it happen. So, imagining I am in my own dark room, and in the comfort of a tamed electrical current going through my computer, I've started to mold fields of color of how I would imagine the delphinium would appear. Different spectrums of color came to mind, but something was shouting purple and blue, representing the universe, and so, infinity. Experimental photography hints at the infinite ways we can look at our universe and makes me wonder how many other ways we will discover in the future. Bultmann creates unique photograms by hand that cannot be replicated. He states, and I have yet to find any digital tools that can replace my hands and heart. Although I am of the generation that uses their hands less and less, relies so much on the comfort and speed of the computer, I hope we did find a way, maybe through what we're doing now, to synchronize the more advanced technology with our own hands and heart.
0: Well, I just feel very fortunate that we have this amazing team and community at Gratitude Blooming. Um, You know, I just, everything from Arlene, you talking about how these plants are navigational tools um, for us to orient. And it leans into this idea that words are a technology. Stories are like maps. And so what are the stories that we're sharing to help us orient and navigate our way forward? And then then Anka talking about art as a dialogue, right? Like this map is being co-created these stories are being co-created and then this very essential reminder that we have to constantly be aware of what lens are we looking through because that really then shapes what we see it shapes the stories that we are telling and and for me you know what i have been really learning from the people we've had on our show here is how important it is to look through the world with your heart. And and really this idea that heartfulness is the new mindfulness, that the heart is the first organ that is created in the womb, not the mind, not the brain. And so what does it look like? And I think that's what artists do so amazingly, is I feel like you look at the world through your heart. And then you find that creative expression to sort of give us a glimpse of, hey, this is another way in which we can look at the world.
1: And I so appreciate how that through that connection to the feeling in our hearts and our bodies, you know, through Anka's story, then we're able to see the possibilities and to create something that wasn't previously created before. and and. And in that way, it's very liberating to go from that uncertainty to the tangible things that we can see.
2: Yeah, I feel like um, another thing I've learned through this process, even just in our first episode, is, um, you know, I found it really hard to get my head around the story at this time, you know, kicking off a new format. I had put, put the offer out to Anka to tell her story. And I have to say, when I, something in my body, and maybe it is, you know, a navigational thing, or there's some metaphor, um, it sort of refocused me um, back to, you know, what we're doing and back to the art and back to the theme. And um, so there's something about working together and collaboration and dialogue that, um is a really powerful force i think so i hope that's something that will come out um um in season two as well
1: so arlene i'd love for you to share the nft art that you and anka collaboratively created together with the delphinium plant can you share a little bit about
0: what are we looking at
2: yeah um okay We are looking at a digital version of the infinite possibility delphinium from the drawing that I made in 2015. So that's another beautiful thing um, about this process, but it's an outline. So we're basically, I'm taking um, the pencil drawings and I'm making digital versions of them. And now that it's digital, I can pass it on to Anka. So it's a white um, uh, outline um, filled in of the delphinium from the card deck. And uh, it's superimposed on that is, you know, the way that Anka, you know, sees the delphinium, almost like an aura around the, the, the plant with um, mainly blue and purple uh, and then uh, she added a pollinator, a butterfly, uh, that is coming to pollinate.
0: I love that we're our meta garden is expanding now beyond just the plants, because in the first uh, the original card deck is there only one uh, non bird or non plant um, species, which is I think the hummingbird, um, and so now we've introduced a butterfly. Uh, and so our meta garden is growing.
2: And, and I love that they're pollinators, right? So it's just such a great metaphor too. <laughs>
0: well, I think that's the, you're really keying in on, I think something that's essential, Arlene, which is metaphor. Uh, and metaphor help us organize our thoughts. And, you know, for a very long time, you know, metaphors were being driven by the industrial age, for example. And we'd say, like, oh, we have to run things like a clock. And everything was very sort of mechanistic and sort of linear. Um, my wife and I were just commenting on how many movies there are nowadays that are nonlinear in the multiverse, time travel. And so I think we're breaking out of this industrial age thinking that was very widget oriented and sort of allowing a different kind of organic growth, more emergence. Um, But it's not going to happen on its own. I think this is why having these conversations and really finding out what are the metaphors that are so important to us. I know for me in 2021, I was struggling sort of career wise and because everything I've always done was very, very focused on one thing. And I did that one thing really well. Um, And then I was finding myself, I'm like, well, I have all these different interests. I'm not finding that one thing that contains all of these interests. And a friend um, and management consultant, she said, you know, Omar, uh, a lot of times people use the metaphor of um, intersecting circles, a Venn diagram, as a way to think about a career. And so they'll find, hey, I have like three or four interests. And what is that center thing in the middle of that Venn diagram that captures uh, those interests? But she found for her career that it was really not helpful. She's a, a management consultant. She teaches business school in social entrepreneurship. And she has her own social enterprise in Africa. And the metaphor she used was a braid. And each of these interests she had were strands. And it was really about how can she weave these strands together. And as soon as I stopped trying to find the Venn diagram of my career and really embrace the strands of my interests, things really started to unfold for me in beautiful ways. So for me, it was like around land, storytelling, and gratitude. And so these metaphors, I truly believe, are some of the most essential navigational tools uh, that we have.
1: And to create the future paradigms, and the beautiful world that we want to live in in the future, we really do have to be alchemists in some ways. And that's what I'm hearing is those strands of yarn come together and they become something else, you know, a tapestry, a rug, all these different possibilities. And it does feel like we're being asked to pull, you know, different pieces together. And and in many ways, this is also what's happening with the plant that's growing in the ground to the illustration to then the digital card deck that we made before, you know during the pandemic and then now this idea of the meta garden which is the way to paint the picture of well what do we want to see how do we want to feel how do we make the choices in our lives that are most aligned to what we believe in and I love that in this season we're really going to tackle the themes and the wisdom of the plants more from that place of the virtue and the, and the value of, of each card. So
0: our guest this week that we're going to hear from, Michael Preston, um, You know, before you introduce him a little bit more, I'm just going to say that he introduces this term spiritual protocol, which I love. And if we think about metaphors and what is a protocol as a metaphor? And so a a protocol is a basic set of rules that we can follow. And in technology, um, those rules allow data to be shared between computers. Um, If you've ever looked at HTTP, right, which we all, well, actually, we don't even have to write it because it's now standard when we type in uh, a website you're really typing in HTTP colon forward slash forward slash. And what that means is hypertext transfer protocol. And so it is a protocol which allows anyone to sort of find that address, you know. And because then we all have that standardization, all of us can use the internet and find the websites that we're looking for. And so In blockchain, those rules allow data to be shared between computers. And it's that following of the protocol actually creates the structure of the blockchain. Um, And so when he used the term spiritual protocol, which is what are the rules by which he's following to engage with the world around him, both the world seen and unseen, and so in some ways, I feel like we're already hitting on a new metaphor for this times. So what are the rules of our engagement? What are the steps that we're going to follow that allow us to communicate and exchange information together? And how can we do those in these sort of interconnected ways?
1: Thank you for that context, Omar. It's an honor to feature the work of Michael Preston or Palm. Um, he is uh, part of the Winnemum Wintu tribe and one of our uh, visionaries for the winter residency program here at Hestia Retreat Center. And what I love is that Palm is actually doing the work to really bring in the sacredness in land and water and nature, and and then also trying to really focus on the Web3 space to start to visualize and to imagine, you know, what could it look like if nature was back in its original form in its most thriving state Um, and trying to illustrate that for us to remember because at one point, you know, water was flowing and abundant and wildlife was thriving. And so uh, I'm excited to have him share a bit about, you know, what does sacred mean to him in in physical reality, as well as in the digital reality. And so this is a segment of the conversation we had uh, where Omar, you and Palm are really talking and digging into what what do you really mean by by spiritual protocols? And what does that actually mean for my day-to-day life? So for those of you that are, you know, still new to the digital Realms of Web3, you can really kind of wrap your mind around. Well, from the tra- traditions of the Native American tribes, you know, how did they look at the natural elements and honor that and live by that?
0: I love that you use the words uh, spiritual protocol. We might jump into this a little bit later, but in Web3 or crypto, there's a lot of conversations about protocols. Um, and it's really just what are the rules of engagement and being very transparent about what those rules are? So then that way um, there can be uh, a clarity and efficiency in an exchange. Right. And that's what the blockchain does is a sort of an exchange of information that follows these rules. When you say spiritual protocol, what are those rules that you're you're talking about?
4: If you go to a land, if you go to a, someone's homeland or anywhere that's outside of your place, even on your own place, you're supposed to, part of the spiritual protocol is to introduce yourself to the spirits of those places and to tell them where you come from and to kind of uh, maybe set an attention and to to tell them that you come in a good way and and this is why I'm here. And that's, that's part of the spiritual protocol that we're supposed to follow so that we could be in alignment with those sacred places and the uh, the protection spirits of that place so that they know that we're on their team basically that that's one protocol uh that just came to mind when you talked about it because that that's that's kind of one that we all follow as indigenous people um and but the, they 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 go all over the place to go up to the how you make a fire how you how you go swimming even like how you go uh live your daily life how you wake up in the morning everything as a as a has a cadence in a way that is designed to make it uh, I would, make life flourish
0: i would love for you to unpack one of those additional ones whether it's the how you wake up in the morning or make a fire or go swimming any one of those three i would love to hear what that because in some ways what i hear you saying is protocol is like hey this is my practice and if i don't follow this practice then i'm not sort of in alignment so
4: there's different fires, right? There's uh that we had and we continue to have no matter what, it'll always be the same. Um, you'll always set the fires will always be either fall into a couple of categories. Um, one there's cooking fires and there's, there's not as, uh, you could, you should still make prayers into your cooking fires. You should still like offer up positivity into like, I'm going to cook a meal and I would like actually good energies or good thoughts into this fire. But it's not as serious it's different though from a ceremonial fire there's a diff- there's a little bit higher protocols for that in, in how you make it um, the intentions and how you make it the the songs that you sing and like uh we're we're, we're not supposed to use any matches or or lighters in that fire we're supposed to call it in through uh the old way which is you know uh friction fires basically and then make offerings into it and ask the spirits that we're calling in to come in through those fires, Like There's a protocol to that, and you have to sing songs, and you have to like, uh, you know, use some of the languages that that call them in and and ask them. They don't they don't always come, but that that's one of the protocols that you're supposed to do. Because if they if they if they think you're just playing around and you're like ah oh, whatever, uh, then they more likely they're not gonna come. So you have to kind of be uh, kind of serious about it in a way, and like with gratitude and you know be sincere, you know. <laughs> so that that's that's one of the protocols of sincerity, actually. You can't just be like you, because they know you can't whether you're being real or not.
1: Wow. the importance of intention in that spiritual protocol is what really comes up is how often do I just turn on the stove and I'm not really present with the thing that cooks my food and and also, just uh, the presence with the fire element and the honoring of that, being really aware of that intent of well, why is this fire? What what am I lighting this fire for? That feels to me like the sacred. You know, it's really not taking that for granted and being really present with the intention around it.
0: What I'm also hearing, and you know, I think this is something that hopefully we can unpack in this second season is what are these transitional moments right and so and what are the languages that we're using to describe it and so in one way i would say our practices for a while have been around habit we talk about habit and we make this assumption that okay habit is what we do by default and practice is what disrupts habit but maybe the language that is now emerging is not about going from habit to practice, but really being clear about what is our what are our protocols? What are the ways in which we're thinking about how we're engaging? And so even as Palm really sort of broke that down, is like first just sort of greeting, like, hey, this is who I am. Let me introduce myself. So here I am, right? And that self-acknowledgement and then acknowledging the other person and then explaining like hey this is my intention this is then my offering this is what i am here for and so i love really then thinking about what are the protocols that we're setting up in our day-to-day life and if we think about what are the protocols that we can create for infinite possibility right and so maybe you know arlene talked about the first protocol is acknowledging uncertainty Like uncertainty is a predecessor um, for even starting to imagine. And so being able to then acknowledge like, hey, this is what I am feeling about uncertainty. So today, my relationship to uncertainty is fear. Or maybe today, my relationship to uncertainty is joy. But let me first acknowledge where I'm coming from before I even begin to enter and start to dream and to imagine what infinite possibility has to hold. Because if we don't actually pause to take that sort of self-stock awareness, then that really shapes how we think about infinite possibility. If I don't take the time to think about maybe the fear that I'm holding, then when I begin to think about infinite possibility, it is going to be sort of shrouded by that unstated feeling. And so I, th- I really think that we have, we're stumbling upon this idea of protocols being an essential part of this collective acceleration.
1: And it's in some ways what I'm visualizing is a bridge, you know, right now where we do struggle with how do I live day to day in a way that I feels like I'm thriving versus surviving. And there are days where I feel like I'm just, I'm just barely getting it by, you know, I'm stressed out. I'm overwhelmed with all the things to do. And, i don't know how it's all going to get done and then and then there are times when i feel the grace of just more ease and it's just changes moment to moment and in some ways that is also part of collective acceleration is just being with the way that life wants to unfold and and sometimes that's really unexpected i feel like more and more we're kind of being tested around the uncertainty of change in bigger ways outside of our control. And so there's that part of it, the present day, day day-to-day physical reality that we're in. And then there's this, you know, awareness of, well, how can I be, have agency around my future life? You know, the changes that I want to make to be thriving more than just surviving, And then, you know, looking at it from this global perspective, and I love how as a team, we've been talking a lot more about from plant to planet. (laughs) So starting from the one delphinium flower or whatever is in your backyard, what is that aspect of nature that you can connect in with to be present in the moment? And then then how do we all take part in the change that we want to see in the world? And what I really appreciate about what Palm is doing is he's seeing, you know, from his lineage, just this connection to land and the water and nature. And they've, you know, a lot of these indigenous cultures, they've actually preserved those protocols because it's been passed down. You know, we've talked a lot about that with the wayfinders of Australia and in his tribe, you know, they're very much passing this down generation to generation with with their cultural, spiritual practice. And yet he is still seeing, you know, what are the challenges ahead with our current generation and, and the young ones in his tribe and realizing, wow, there's a lot of addiction to video games and social media. And how can we use this as a force for good? if that's what the young ones are really influenced by. And I think he has been the one person besides you, Omar, who has actually made me realize that it's really important for us to use this digital medium for good. Especially if we want to really shape the future world for for the young ones.
0: I, I think this is, we're in that connection between where we've been and where we're going. And w- I think it was you or Palm just now talking about nature and sort of what are its protocols. And that like triggered something for me. It was like, how, what are the protocols of nature? And if you think about like what are what is one of the most basic building blocks of nature are cells? Right, And the human body is composed of trillions of cells and they create the structure for our body. They take in nutrients from food. They convert that nutrients into energy. And it's obviously not just the human body, but every sort of living sort of organism is made up of cells. And they contain both our hereditary material, but also then the sort of ability to make copies of themselves and to evolve. And so I really then think about it's the protocol of nature and the building block of cells and atoms and how those things organize that have really allowed us to sort of continue to evolve, like fundamentally evolve.
1: So we're going to hear a clip from the conversation where I asked Palm, just, you know, what is the world you want to create? And how are you planning to do this with cryptocurrency, <laughs> you know, technology in the digital realms? And and I just loved hearing how he imagines using this as a tool for good we just recently talked about how like your your mom doesn't you know really isn't really into like technology as you know so the previous generation you're seeing how they're not you know a part of that culture and then you're seeing your the young ones in your community like really hooked on you know social media and video games and things like this and and it's an interesting connection that you're making is You know, here's an opportunity now to take this future web three world, you know, the metaverse into this show, show people, the young ones, you know, what does it look like? What could it be like? So then they could be part of actually building it in the physical world. So I'd love for you to describe, you know, what is that world that you would like to design in this, in the, in the metaverse so that it can
4: be a beautiful new world and in the physical realm. The, one of the first things that might be tangible for regular people that who are not a part of that yet is to make a virtual reality documentary and to possibly get some computer generated imagery, uh, 3D animators to help us tell a story about what salmon restoration really should look like and actually use computer generated imagery to show people what like for instance where i'm at the Sacramento river and mcleod river they no longer go up these rivers anymore and to show them what it's really supposed to look like as far as like bringing back the 60 to 80 pound salmon which don't exist anymore but in our stories say there that's how it used to be by the hundreds of thousands versus ten (laughs) thousand versus you know the seven thousands and actually use cgi to be like show people what a hundred thousand salmon of 80 to 60 to 80 pounders would look like going up a river and to imprint that in the minds of people using virtual reality headsets because it's that's what they're that's one way to do it and to put that inside the metaverse and be like uh i don't know you uh, have people ask for donations for people to watch that for, with us or something like that like or charge charge some ethereum to to show these inside of a metaverse that's one way to try to shift the culture and, and to allow people to see what the true elk population is supposed to look like. So you can do all that, but you can also, because of this, this technology is so advanced now, uh, you could actually create anything you want. And anybody can create their version of what they wish to see. And so, you know, what do we create? It, the, the possibility is infinite, including showing spiritual things.
0: The possibility is absolutely infinite. And it really is tied to what are the stories are we telling ourselves? Because those are the maps that we're making. That is the new territory that we're on the front lines of discovering and creating for ourselves. Um, I can, you know, and I, I just, I think it's not just for the young people we talk about young people. I think it's for everyone, you know. And I think for those though who have resistance to it. And there is a ton of resistance. You know, I just was at a, um, an event recently and, you know, I talked a little bit about crypto and the per- person was like, Mah! you know, and like riled up immediately. I was like, wow, that is a strong reaction. And so I just, I invite those that may have a strong reaction to just why? Where, what is that sort of, what is the protocol in which you can maybe use to reflect on whatever that reaction is, and is that how you want to respond um, and that to me is just again these are the protocols and invitations that we can start creating for ourselves in our day to day lives
1: I'd love to ask Arlene just you know for you, you have been navigating the discomfort quite a bit you know within our team, just around how the art is evolving, and I remember early days you know when it was hard to even get the illustrations digitized and then now you're creating the art you know with the digital first and and there is a lot of uncertainty around how we're going to talk about the art and what's going to unfold it's not a story that you've had you know seven years to develop this is happening now in process and it's getting generated you know week to week, which is a very short timeline for an artist. So, you know, what are the ways that you feel that discomfort, and are aware of it? And and how do you approach it as a friend or as, as a guide? I'm so curious for, for our listeners who also might have something that they're struggling with.
2: Well, well, so this is a, a real story. I, when I really hit a block for this start of the new season, I went to our card deck. And I don't do this often, you know, like, and so I don't know, there's something about the cards being navigational tools that really resonated for me. And so this felt like one of those moments where I needed just to get back to my North Star, you know, I needed the the compass. And so I picked a card. And it was the curiosity card that came up. Right. So the curiosity card is really about, you know, facing that discomfort. And, and Omar, I really like when you talk about just naming these emotions. And so I feel like um, those are that's all really just great advice, you know, to name the name the dis- discomfort. Um, and it does kind of take the power of the emotion away so that you could, you know, kind of recenter. The other thing I would say is, you know, I I just think these stories that you guys are sharing today are just so powerful. So there is something, you know, starting with Anka and Palm. I mean, those all, they're all reminders to me that, um, you know, the collaborations are really um, something, they're accelerators. (laughs) So, you know, you talk about the collective acceleration. I feel like... This is a real life example of how collective acceleration happens. It's we're riding on each other's energy, right? In some way, to um, create momentum. So,
0: thank you, Arlene. It's beautiful, and I think it's absolutely what we name, we can claim, right? Because what we can acknowledge those things, and and I love this is why for our listeners. Writing us stories and sending us those messages are so powerful for us because it is absolutely what are the stories we're hearing? what are those reminders and we need reminders. Um, and so when we hear those stories coming from you, they encourage us to go find more people who are doing interesting and you know innovative things that sometimes aren't always clear. Um, the why has not yet been sort of, discovered but it's just sort of a practice of unfolding.
1: And these new models for how we live, how we gather, how we be, how we work, you know, they're getting defined now in this moment and we almost each have a clue for each other around what that could look like. And so really this this podcast is all about just revealing some clues that might, you know, mean something for you in your day-to-day life and and maybe what you share with someone else as you're listening to this podcast and sharing about your life can inspire someone else around their life and together we're weaving that web of the new possibilities for the future and with that i have just one closing practice and it's really inspired by this idea of just a sacred protocol and based on what's real for you and what's going on for you as you're navigating the uncertainty of your life. And um, what I invite you all to do is just connect in with something that feels unknown right now. Something that makes you a little bit uncomfortable. And hold that unknown with curiosity, like Arlene talked about. If it was a situation or even a like a person that you're getting to know, what is something about that unknown that you are curious about? And from there, if you have the gratitude blooming card deck, I invite you to pick a card like what Arlene did as a wayfinding tool. Or you can go to our Discord channel and pick a card from our Discord channel with our Oracle bot. Or just even looking at this new digital art form of infinite possibility. Just seeing what you notice from the delphinium flower with its new pollinator butterfly, and just letting that image of nature guide you through the unknown of your life curiosity brings infinite possibility
0: thank you arlene for joining us today thank you uh, belinda for the beautiful practice we're super excited for season two and this emergence and i'm really thinking about what are the new protocols that we really want to engage in And these protocols aren't just the ways that we engage with the world, but how we all engage. And so whether it's a biological cell, the transfer of data between computers, or what's creating in the blockchain, or even sort of at the level that Palm shared of our spiritual practices, these are things that we can do each and every day with tremendous intention. Wishing you well. Cheers.
2: Cheers. I'm